The following message is from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about LifeSource is available at lifesource.org.au. I count myself incredibly blessed because as a little kid, my parents took me to Sunday school. My first recollections is going to Sunday school. I can still, believe it or not, I can still remember being in a pram, being taken to church. My my parents, when I was born, I was born in Newcastle. They lived in a place called Mayfield. And the church that we went to was in Hamilton. And so to get from Mayfield, in those days, no cars, no buses, we'd walk to church. And so we'd have to cross the railway line at Hamilton, the Hamilton station. And I can still remember as a kid in the pram, the pram going over the railway lines, going to church. You know, how old would I have been? Maybe 15, 16, 17? <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> you know, I, I might have been maybe three, maybe two and a half, three. I, you know, I wasn't, you know, uh, one because I can still recall being in the pram. But that were my first recollections going to church, learning about Jesus. And so in 1966, I made a decision to follow Jesus. So I was six, seven years of age, got a Bible. In the Bible, my Sunday school teacher opened up to John 3.16 and he got a blue biro and he crossed out a word in John 3.16 So John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So my Sunday school teacher got a pen and he put a line through the word world and wrote above the word John. And And so my Bible then read, For God so loved John that he gave his only begotten son, that if John believes in him, he will not perish, but have everlasting life. I've still got that Bible. I've still got it in my office. I've still got the blue biro marking. But, but it so impacted me as a little kid that God so loved John, that God so loved me, that I made a decision to follow Jesus. I made a decision to follow Jesus. At 13 years of age, in 1972, I got baptized. Then in 1975, at 15, 16 years of age, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Then in 1978, as an 18-year-old, I went to Bible college. And then in 1981, just as a 21-year-old, I started full-time ministry. Now I'm 56 years of age, and I haven't lost my love for Jesus. I still love Jesus. And, and, and the tears are still so close, so close. My eyes still get very moist, very wet at the very thought of his love. What a way to do life in love with Jesus. And I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of him. And, and this morning, what I wanted to do was just share with you just some reasons why he came. I mean, he, he divided history. 
Jesus divided history. We still talk about BC, AD. We still talk about the years that existed before his coming. And now we live in the years after his coming. He divided history. And so, so it's so important for us just to stop and meditate as to why he came. And I love this scripture in, in, um, in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 15. It says, Now after John was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So here it is. The first reason that Jesus came was to help us understand God's way. That's why he came, to help us understand God's way. And God's way is about repent and believe in the gospel. Repent. That word repent is a beautiful word. Because repentance basically acknowledges that I'm going in the wrong direction and that there's a right direction. There's, There's... my direction and God's direction. And repentance is saying, I'm choosing to go God's way. The gospel is the good news about God, about Jesus, about the kingdom of God. And he came preaching that. And do you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that that this world is replacing the God message with a good message. Jesus didn't come to give a good message. He came to give the God message. And so what we have today is a lot of people with the message of goodness. So it's interesting. The other day I was just doing a bit of stuff in front of my house. And this, and this lady is walking past. And I, I, I always say hello to people. And so she stopped. And um, anyway, she said some story about... Her car was 10 years old, only done 20,000 kilometers. And I said, oh, you must be like the typical little old, I didn't say little old lady. I was about to, but a typical lady that sort of drives to the shops and goes to church on a Sunday. And so she stopped me in my tracks. I don't go to church on Sunday. And neither did my husband. And then, then she tells me the story that her husband died and, but he was an agnostic. He didn't believe in God. He did not not believe, but he didn't believe either. And then, and then she moves into the story. And the story goes, but he was a good man. And because he was a good man, if there is a God, which he didn't believe in, I'm sure that the God who didn't believe in him would acknowledge his goodness and let him into heaven. I didn't have the heart at that point to tell her. But, you know, I just reflected, I meditated on that whole message that so many people of this world have. It's the message of goodness, that your salvation is based on goodness. Jesus didn't come to tell us we need to be good. He told us the message of God. And I really believe that that one of the great deceptions of our age is the message that if you're good, you'll see God. And Jesus came to tell us the exact opposite. Your goodness to God is like dirty rags. Your goodness to God 
doesn't cut the mustard. And that's why Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come to show us that it's not by the law or by your goodness that you get saved, but purely by what he has done. So that moves us into the next point, that he came to call the lost back home. He came to call the lost. So Luke 15 is a beautiful, beautiful parable. It's one of my, actually, the three parables of Luke, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, are three of my favorite parables. But there's just something about the parable of the lost sheep that is just so beautiful. Can I read it to you? So this is, says, then, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained. Now, what's interesting about the Pharisees and scribes? Well, these people believed that the way of salvation was through the law. What's interesting? Can I just press pause for a sec? Is it okay for me to press pause? What was interesting is that the big question of the first century, the big question that so many people were asking is, what must I do to be saved? That was the big question of the first century. What must I do to be saved? What's, what's the way of salvation? So Jesus actually came to answer that big question. But if you were to ask the scribes and Pharisees what the answer to that question is, they had it down pat. The way of salvation is through keeping the law. And you keep every jot and tittle. You keep it to the, the minutest detail. The law, that's the way that it is. But Jesus had a different message. And his message was an incredible message. And the message was, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's not by the law. It's not by goodness, but it's by me. I'm the way. I'm the door. And so, and so then, then, then he gives this parable because he, he was talking to people who were listening. How many of you know that there's a lot of people that talk to the hand because the ears aren't listening. You know, it's, it's like, it's like shink straight over the top. And so then, so he found that the sinners were listening to him and, and the scribes and Pharisees were complaining that why does he hang out with sinners? They're impure, they're unclean. And so then Jesus spoke this parable to them saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. When he found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over the sinner who repents than over the 99 just persons, good people, who need no repentance. I, I, I love this passage. And I love this passage because it, it, it gives the picture of a savior looking for lost sheep. A savior with a quest. And the quest is, where's my lost sheep? Where, where, where are they? Where's, where's the lost sheep? Is there some lost sheep over here? Is there a lost one over here? Where, where, where's the lost one? And so he calls. The Savior is calling. 
The Savior is looking. And you know, there's just something powerful about a sheep realizing that they are lost. Because you know what? The shepherd can't grab hold of a sheep unless the sheep first knows that it's lost. And so, and so to put up your hand and say, I'm one of the lost sheep is a very powerful thing. But then the other thing is to recognize his voice. To recognize the Savior is calling. And something inside of you hears that voice calling. And, and, and it's beautiful because Jesus himself said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice. They recognize my voice. And I'm one of those people that heard his voice. Is there anybody else here that's heard his voice calling and you recognized his voice and and you responded to that voice? Because I'm telling you, there's a world full of people that have not heard his voice. And what's worse is that they don't recognize his voice. But you know what? Those four people that got baptized today, they not only heard his voice, but they recognized his voice. And 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 I just feel so blessed when little kids brought up in the house of God, are brought up with, I know his voice. Jack said it so beautifully. I just felt God say to me, it's time to get baptized. Come on, Jack. How awesome is that? Pastor John's preaching about you. (laughs) I love that. But you know what I love even more? That godly parents teach their children how to hear the voice of God. There's nothing more precious than godly parents teaching their children to hear the voice of God. And you can hear the voice of God, can't you, Zoe? I know that you can. Right there on the front row taking notes. I love that. To hear the voice of God. So what what has he come to do? He's come to find his lost sheep. He's come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let me tell you what else he's come to do. He came to give life. He came to give his life in exchange for ours. This is what it says in Mark 10.45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. There it is. Greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for another. Now, he said, but, but, but why, why, what, what is this? Why, does, why is death involved in this? Well, here it is. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Someone's got to tell people that, that there's a penalty for sin. See, see the world is brainwashing people to say, hey, listen, if you do something bad then the penalty is you've got to do something good. That's, that's the way that it works. It's like, it's, it's karma, it's balances. You've got to balance your life out. Well, here's my question is, how heavy is a sin and how heavy is a good deed? So, 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 so my question is, who determines how much good you've got to do to counterbalance a wrong thing? So, so where's this written? 
Where do you get this from? Well, it's karma. It's just, it's up there. I just, I just don't know. What, you're going to base your eternity on you don't know? Because I got a book, and this book's called The Bible. And for centuries, people have tried to destroy this book. Those people are dead and gone, but this book is still alive in here. Uh, For centuries, people have tried to discredit this. They're dead and gone, but this book is still the world's number one bestseller. So how is that? If this is false, if this is full of deception, how is it still the number one bestseller? Why is it that all over the world today, people are trying to translate this into every known tongue? Why is it that wherever this book goes, it brings life? Wherever a nation takes hold of this book and lives by the principles of this book, it turns the nation around and gives it strength and Prosperity. I'm telling you, because it is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And in this Word, it gives the way of salvation. It tells you the wages of sin is death. Well, I don't like what the Bible says. Nobody's forcing you to like it. But what you can't do is change what it says. So you can sit there and disbelieve it. You can sit there and despise it. But what you can't do is change it. And a lot of people have said, you know what? If I can't change it, I might as well believe it. Because those people are the ones that have received eternal life. So when it says the wages of sin is death, Jesus said, this is what I love about Jesus. He said, do you know what? I am willing to die in your place. See, that's the great exchange. That's the great message of the gospel. That Jesus came and died in our place. Do you know what? I never get tired of that message. I've been hearing this message my whole life, over half a century, but I'm still moved by it. There's just something that still melts my heart when I hear that Jesus died upon the cross and while he was suffering and dying, he had me on his mind. He was thinking about me when he saw the blood dripping down from his veins, from his fingers, from his, from his hands, from his feet, from the crown that was pressed into his skull. When he saw the blood dripping down, he was thinking, this blood is for you, John Giuliano. This blood is so that you can be cleansed from your sin and have eternal life. This blood was shed for you. It is the blood that washes you free from damnation and from the curse of sin so that you can have eternal life. And it gripped my heart as a little kid. And it still grips my heart today. It still grips my heart today because this is the essence of the greatest message that was ever told upon this planet. And I've been given the privilege 
of sharing it. And while I've still got breath in my lungs, I will continue sharing the message of God's love, God's forgiveness, God's salvation. Let me finish today by just saying one more thing. That when Jesus began his public ministry in the, in the synagogue of Capernaum, he opens up the book of Isaiah and he reads this incredible passage declaring why he had come. And here's one more reason why he came. He goes, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And here it is. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Liberty to the captives. Come on. This grips my imagination. Why does it grip your imagination? Because this is what Satan has done. This is what the devil has done. You say, well, you believe in the devil? Yes, I believe in God. I believe in the devil. Just as I believe in God being the author of all good, I believe that there's a devil that wants to bring evil into this world. And he is at work. Let me tell you, he is at work. One of the ways that he puts us into captivity is through sin, is through disobedience to God. And so let me tell you something, that every single one of us were in chains of captivity. Sin had bound us. The wages of sin is death. Every single one of us had the death sentence upon our lives. We were in prison to the jailer, the devil. But what Jesus did when he died upon the cross, he declared, it is finished. And he descended and he took the keys of death and of Hades. He took the keys that, was, that were the keys to your chains. And he came into the prison house where you were bound. And he unlocked your chains. He unlocked the prison door of your lives. And he began to declare to those in captivity, you were free. You were free. You were free. Break forth from your prison house. You were free. You were free. You were free. There is freedom in the name of Jesus. And I heard the declaration. As a little six-year-old kid, I heard the declaration. And I unloosed the shackles. And I unloosed myself because Jesus had given the key to unlock the chains, to set at liberty the captives. And I walked out of the prison house of the enemy and walked into the palace house of Almighty God. I came out of the depravity of sin and got elevated into sonship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And today the message is going out. Come out of the captivity of sin in the name of Jesus and be elevated to kingship with Jesus. Come into the presence presence of God as a child of God come out of the prison house into the palace house and God's message for you is this whom the son sets free will be free indeed Jesus paid the penalty so you could have eternal life and today here's the message here's the message for you are you 100% sure that your sins are forgiven you 100% sure that your name is written in the book of heaven? 
You 100% sure that the, that, that the bondage of sin and death has been broken from your life? Because today the answer is simply receive Jesus and you will be set free. Repent of your sins and receive Jesus. And that's the greatest message that this world has got. And that's the message that I shared with you today. Come on, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.